Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mindfulness Monday, January 25th. We all have experienced disappointment, sadness, rejection, or the loss of something meaningful in our lives. And I think we could really relate to that last year in 2020. When you are wounded, innate animalistic instincts for self-protection kick in as a means for survival. These behavior patterns are a natural and necessary coping strategy at first, but many dwell far too long in these patterns and actually separate themselves from their source of inner wisdom and intuition. Using astrology as a diagnostic tool, my special guest today will reveal to us how to use the astrological placement of the minor planet Chiron in your birth chart to identify the core wounds and unconscious patterns that block your capacity to have self-empathy and to forgive. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Lisa Tahir is a licensed clinical social worker. She is certified in EMDR level one, Reiki level two, and I am very proud to say that Lisa is a graduate of my Thought Coach certification training program through the Institute for Transformational Thinking. She is the host of the weekly podcast, All Things Therapy, on LA Talk Radio since 2016, and is the author of this wonderful new book that was also endorsed by His Holiness, the 14th Dalai Lama. It is called The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness. Lisa lives in practices in both Los Angeles and New Orleans. Welcome to Mindfulness Monday, Lisa. Aura, thank you for having me as your guest. This is such a delight and treat since I've interviewed you several times. Thank you so very much. I know it's wonderful to sort of reverse our, our roles here. And it's really lovely to have you as my last guest for now. Yes. Um, on my Mindfulness Mondays. So this is going to be a really lovely time that we're going to be able to spend together. So let me start by saying, you know, I've never thought of connecting astrology with our core wounds. I've pretty much thought of it as a system to divine information about who we are based on the time and, and day that we were born. You've really taken astrology to a whole new level. Tell our listeners how you came up with this concept called the Chiron Effect and a little bit about what it is exactly. Sure, Aura. Thank you. I didn't expect to link astrology and psychology together either with our core wounds, but I want to start, and I want to start with a, co a quote by Carl Jung, since I know he's someone that you read and study avidly, and I feel like this quote really ties together the psychology and astrology of Chiron where Jung says, if you find the psychic wound in an individual or a people, there you will also find their path to consciousness. For it is in the healing of our psychic wounds that we come to know ourselves. Yeah. And for me, for me, this journey really is about self-awareness, self-understanding. And when we really 
understand deeply our own patterns. We're able to have empathy for ourselves and then extend that to others, being more compassionate, being less reactive over time. And that's where the discovery of Chiron led me in my own journey of, of internal wisdom and sourcing, really turning over every stone to, to put this book together and offer a, a new paradigm for people to view their lives through. Didn't it come to you in a meditation? Isn't that when you really had a sense that there was something that was calling to you and that this was what it was, what, what it was essentially? Or yes, exactly. I, I felt as a therapist for 20 years and myself being a participant, a client in therapy for a lot of my life in a place of feeling a bit frustrated with the process and wondering in meditation, what is beyond our woundedness? What is beyond the old story? And what can I offer myself to further expand and grow and evolve in more happiness and joy without having to dwell in those old and traumatic memories and also help my clients go beyond that. And I received literally the word Chiron in meditation, who I knew to be the wounded healer archetype that Carl Jung talks about in our collective unconscious. And when I started to research, I learned that Chiron is that minor planet that you described, was discovered in astronomy, and as a, the first of the centaur class, it has an odd elliptical orbit, and that led me to discover Chiron was a centaur in Greek mythology, and the founding father of the medical arts, the healing arts, and how he talks about human frailty and our woundedness and how that really disempowers us. And I felt like I was really onto something. And that led me to Chiron in astrology being a placement that is not often talked about because it describes the areas where we have vulnerabilities, where we feel even sometimes embarrassed about. We wanna hide those aspects of ourselves from others because we feel like we're not good enough and you know, no one likes to feel that way in the presence of anyone else. And we often even hide those aspects of self from our own self. And so that's when I really started researching and digging into the psychological aspects of the astrological placement of Chiron. And also I think, isn't it true that sort of the, the archetypal story, if you will, surrounding Chiron was that he himself was injured. He was, yes. he was wounded. And yes. I thought that was interesting that, that Chiron represents that as, as the personification of the wound and that you derive that effect, the Chiron effect from Chiron's original wound. Yes, you're right on Aura. Chiron himself in Greek mythology was wounded by a poisonous arrow. And I saw that as metaphor that though today, an arrow wouldn't directly wound us in that same mythological way. It represents the unexpected. You know, last year, the pandemic, and then the personal unexpected that we experience that disconnects us from the understanding the way our life has been lived. And we're often thrown into sometimes chaos and disruption. And we don't know, you know, what makes sense anymore, like in the sense of a loss, a death, a breakup or the pandemic changing the way that we interact with work, with each other in every way. And so Chiron really is about opening yourself to the deeper layers and meanings of what 
appears to be a loss, a wounding, a disempowerment to more adequately understand what's really going on for our growth, for our happiness, and the silver lining in these experiences for us personally and collectively. Mm -hmm. I like the way you combined the psychological and the astrological, and you coined the term psychoastrology. Uh, which I thought was was really interesting. Tell us, tell our listeners a little bit more about that. Thank you. Uh, when I started thinking about astrology being a symbolic language, that's my understanding of astrology. It's a symbolic language that can help us understand some of our patterns, our propensities. Personally, I'm a believer in free will ruling all that we can see what might be in our charts, yet we can learn the skills to, to make new choices and create new outcomes. And I see Chiron as, as that as well. And our personal psychology meeting our natal astrology is what psychoastrology describes that intersection and where we have options and choices once we understand where our vulnerabilities are, our wounds even are, that we can choose to make different choices to transcend those and allow them to become our greatest empowerment where we don't feel embarrassed or ashamed by them anymore. We can help others, we can help ourselves and become just truly happier and be who we're meant to be here. Mm. I think it's really interesting because, you know, astrology just unto itself really has always presented to us um, different aspects of our Cells. Each sign of the 12 zodiac signs has its negatives and its positives, do you know? So I think looking upon this in a way in which we just don't, you know, we know what we know about ourselves, that each sign has its strengths and its weaknesses, this takes us deeper. This takes us deeper into, as you said, the, the wound, do you know? And like I said, with astrology prior, I, I think most people probably didn't look at it in that way. They could maybe look at aspects of or characteristics of their sign and know that we have those strengths and weaknesses, but never probably looked as deeply as I think what your book offers up, which is, which is very illuminating. Tell us, Lisa, why you feel it's so important for us to get to the core of our wounds and vulnerability. Yeah, you know, or you talk a lot in your work about authenticity, which has been so inspiring for me to really look for my authentic self. And I believe and have found that by really understanding our woundedness, our area of vulnerability, um, that that's the key to unlocking our authenticity because we don't have to hide behind it anymore. We don't have to pretend like it's not there. We might not want to advertise it to every single person we know, but you know, our trusted loved ones where we can start to become our authentic selves and share, you know, the areas of our lives where we feel like, Hey, like I could use some help here instead of having pretend to always be strong and have it all together. You know, no one does. And Chiron and understanding our Chiron placement can help us be more authentic in our lives. And it, it mirrors and gives permission for others to be authentic as well. And that's what I think we're our most beautiful and shining is when we can really connect like you and I are today with each other. Absolutely. And I think that that understanding of the authentic self, which I write about and live true, I say it's a lot harder to be who we're not mm. than to be who we truly are. And, you know, I think people, you know, sometimes are not comfortable in their vulnerability. 
and maybe even looking deeper into the core wounded areas of the psyche or of, of the unconscious, which you mentioned Carl Jung. So, you know, the book very much, I think, eases the reader into that acceptance of themselves, that it's okay to safely go towards your core wounds and it's okay to acknowledge your vulnerability. Do you yes. know? It's like sometimes people just need that permission yeah. Don't you feel? Yeah. Or I think we need it every day to give ourselves permission and those closest to us. And I've, it's been interesting. My friendships have started to change and shifts my relationships with personal loved ones and clients as I'm permitting myself to be more authentic and vulnerable. Some people are really drawn to it and others, it seems like they get angry and I'm, I'm still exploring what that's about because you know, the intention is pr promote closeness between us versus pushing others away. But I think sometimes it brings up fear in, in people that who, who have really been hard on themselves. And it, it's kind of new to start to really soften up and love and encourage versus punish and, and releasing fear-based thoughts that I've learned from you and your thought coaching program and replace them with supportive, loving messages that that whole process of self-love and forgiveness can be, I think, jarring for some people. So I'm trying to learn to communicate it and my authentic self in ways that do promote closeness. And I'm just curious, have you found that even in your work? Absolutely. And I think that as we're evolving as people and also as practitioners in the work that we do, I think the more that we discover about what feels, again, you know, authentic and liberating, if you will. Yeah. It, for me personally, it feels liberating to be able to allow myself to be seen as my true self, yes. the true essence of who I am. And I think that when we do present that to others, uh, you know, whether or not or how they respond to it is really not of our own doing or maybe even our own business. But I think that the more authentic we present ourselves, the more we stand the chance of others looking at us and saying, well, they're comfortable being true to who they are. They're comfortable being honest. And I think sometimes that's an inspiration to others, that if you're comfortable in your skin, others might find that it's it's something that they themselves can allow themselves to experience too. Do you know yes. and what you just said? It might evoke something positive in someone or, or somebody might not be ready yet, but right. you still might be a representative of that. Do you know? Yes. So I think, you know, for us to bring our authentic selves forward in all that we do with whoever we come in contact with is probably the, the way in which we, you know, can live our lives more true to who we are. You know, Lisa, you say that the problems we have typically cluster around core issues and themes, and you write an orbit is a pattern that we grow accustomed to living within, thus becoming a set frequency. Mm -hmm. Tell our listeners what you mean by that. Sure, I'd love to. I have discovered, and, and it's been there through other teachers and authors, that the life that we inhabit, we habituate certain people, places, and things. I think that's how we feel safe and in control of our lives. And yet often we might 
or periodically come to a place of like, hmm, is there more than this for me? And, and I desire more and I might be feeling a bit bored, which to me is an invitation to start looking at things differently. That boredom is a sign that, you know, an invitation to awaken, to make some changes because there's almost always so much to discover if we, if we look for it. And so our frequency, it's literally a frequency. Our thoughts carry frequency. As I know, you know, our emotions carry frequency and that frequency attracts or repels people, places, and things. And when we want to make a change, I talk about in my book, the trans theoretical model, which is a fancy way of saying that we contemplate change before we actually initiate it. And then we might go back and forth between trying new things and feeling a little scared and pulling back. And that's normal and natural. And that's exactly how we inhabit higher frequencies, like the frequency of love is used, it's 528 Hertz. And I have actually a tuning fork, the frequency of love that genetic biochemists are using to heal broken DNA through the sound frequency. And that we can elevate our thoughts to, when we elevate our thoughts to be more loving of ourselves, more forgiving, more accepting, we literally like send out a new frequency that's measured in Hertz. And that starts to attract to us new things that we actually want. So we can even use this vibration of the universe to help us be happier and healthier once we, you know, start to forgive ourselves. And I hope that makes sense. I feel like I've combined a few things. It does. And I think that, well, there, there is a beautiful confluence of bringing those energies or those frequencies or those vibrations, literally by just hitting upon a tuning fork like that and seeing the way that frequency and that sound reverberates. I mean, that's a perfect example of what we, what we reverberate out yes. from our entire being. So yeah. when we raise our frequency, we're emanating that frequency out into the universe. And I think to Matt, to sort of bring, you know, going back to why it's so valuable to address the journey within and to heal the cores within is uh, the wounds within is because when we heal, we are heightening our frequency levels. We're not in that pain body, if you will. Yes. It yes. sometimes can be a, a more denser energy, do you know? Absolutely. You know, the, the, the energy of suffering, not to diminish that energy because it's vital for, for change and for healing. But I agree with you. It's, it's all frequency. At the end of the day, that's what we're emanating. And the more work we do on our core wounds, as your book guides us on so beautifully, the more we are really on the journey of raising our awareness and consciousness. You say, Lisa, that healing your core wounds begins with allowing a space for forgiveness, which mm -hmm. is something you speak a lot of throughout the book. The value of forgiveness within yourself and is reinforced by creating a supportive external environment for your journey. Let's talk a little bit more about that because, you know, I know that forgiveness is a very important thing for us to spend a little time on. It is. Yes. So I... I begin the book talking about we're creating the container for change. And that means that we're setting up a space for ourselves, literally and formally in your home, lighting a candle and having a journal. I, I suggest that to really take yourself 
and this journey as, as important because you are important. We are each so important and we often compare ourselves and feel less than, especially with social media and that being the major way that we get work out and are connecting nowadays. So it's really about validating our self-importance by taking time and space to explore this deep dive, this excavation of our psychology. And in the book, I share some of my personal experiences to help get your thoughts, your memory flowing, to, to contemplate some things that you've experienced in your childhood and, um, you know, some journal prompts. And the forgiveness piece I discovered is so important, Aura, because we, we like, just compound layer upon layer of unforgiveness upon ourselves every day for not waking up early enough or maybe not going to the gym today or saying something unkind to our partner and we just kind of like like push it aside and keep moving forward yet not knowing that that really affects us at these deeper layers and unaware of them it causes us to be more short with people and critical with ourselves, which I think is the most damaging because when we're so critical in our own minds about our own selves, it's like there's no oxygen in there to breathe. It, it blocks our ability to see options. And there's so many options. There's always another way. If we just breathe into asking for the solution, we get so focused on the problem instead of you know, really aligning with that solution and being open to see something from different vantage points. And I see forgiveness as being a doorway to being willing to see things differently. And starting by saying to yourself even, I am so sorry you just went through that. I am so sorry, you know, you were spoken to in that way that we can start to heal ourselves without having the other person make an amends it's great when that can happen, but in the absence of it, we can really start to self-heal those places where we've been hurt. Right. And, you know, what, what brings to mind for me as a mindfulness practitioner, that really is the practice of mindfulness. That's having the awareness of the thoughts that we have that could be deprecating and undermining and critical and with that an awareness of it, we can then forgive ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can say, I am feeling really hurt right now. I'm aware that I'm feeling really hurt right now. And I'm about to tell myself something that is hurtful to me because of my hurt. And this is really the practice of mindfulness. It's having the awareness of the thoughts that we tell ourselves around what we're feeling and what we're experiencing. Do you yes. know? Yes. So it's a beautiful way to sort of couple, you know, the practice of that awareness with also the practice of forgiveness. It's, it's Absolutely. A, a way to combine those two, I feel. Do you know? I do, because I think forgiveness really is in the moment, which is what mindfulness is, being in the moment of our lives right now. And I talk about forgiveness. <clears throat> I've learned to often be progressive, that as much as we might want to forgive in an instant, that does happen sometime. Yet I think for the deeper wounds that some of us have experienced and trauma and abuse and betrayal, that it's often progressive to forgive and that that's okay. It counts and it works to really kind of work your way into comfortably and again, authentically, how you really feel and where you are. Right. And to permission. Yes. And also the acceptance of what was, which is the past. And this is again, circling back to mindfulness. Mindfulness is being in the present moment with total awareness of the moment of which you are in right now. That doesn't diminish or discount the past 
but it also doesn't keep you stuck there. So whatever grievances you have from the past or whatever wounds you've incurred from the past, you can, ex you can forgive that as a time that once was, but, but, it, but it no longer exists. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that, I do. That we're living in the present moment now. And I think what's beautiful about the act of forgiveness is that whatever happened to us in our past has happened. Yeah. It has come and gone. And we want to make sure that we're not carrying over the damage of those hurts into the present. Do you know what I mean? Yes. So, you know, again, this is to me a wonderful coupling of present moment awareness and then implementing the act of forgiveness. You also say, Lisa, that our wounds are the way in which the divine makes contact with us in order to wake us up to an aspect of self that needs to be, as you said, excavated and healed. I feel very much resonant to the divine. Mm -hmm. And I, my third book really delves deep into what we perceive as the divine. And that's different for everyone. So the divine can be something that's religious. It could be something that's spiritual, spiritual, metaphysical, mm -hmm. transcendent. Um, there's many things that we can perceive as the divine. So when you say that, our wounds are the way in which the divine makes contact with us. What does that mean for you? Sure. And, and I agree as well, Aura. I speak about the divine being different for each of us as unique we are. It could be in science and nature. And so for me, divine is sourced in the spiritual and the metaphysical and God and communication with spirit, with deceased loved ones and just everyone even alive. Our, our connection as I truly feel that in my own body and some of the things in my life that happen that seem to be devastating that seem to be I'm going to put in air quotes bad or negative were have actually been the most awesome things that have ever happened because what came from them was me waking up to some parts of myself that I wasn't in touch with and how we really do have personal power to change our experiences. And for me, they awoken within me that I needed to learn some new skills in different areas that I didn't have and even reparenting myself in a lot of ways. And I know I'm not alone that I speak to our listeners that so many of you have had experiences that were just beyond what you could cope with. And that happens in our lives and that you're not going to be debilitated by them when you start to lean in with curiosity about them and what I can learn. And there's so much that then we can use that to, to you know, do things of meaning and value in our lives. Yes, I mean, you know, look, the human condition is such that we're going to, we're going to experience a lot of pain and suffering on this life journey. And everybody has had their own versions of that mm -hmm. to varying degrees. But when we really look at some of those experiences have been our greatest teachers. Yes. You know? And we wouldn't be the people we are today had we not gone through some of those profound changes, those deep, you know, sufferings or difficulties that we encountered. And I also feel that sometimes when we are in our deepest despair is when we can connect to the divine, yes. to seek guidance, to seek the light from that, what we call the divine that that becomes our, our guidance, if you will. You know, if we ask for the help, it is there for us. Yes. You know? And I think we can be more sensitive to it sometime in those moments. I hear you saying that. Just more open to receive. Because I think in, in our culture, we're so used to doing and being in action that I've been practicing personally 
learning to be in the receptive mode and just allowing. And it's such a different energy that for people that are used to achieving, it can feel really challenging. And I speak from experience, yet it's also feeling really good to approach life in a different way and allowing it to come versus having to effort it. So that comes to mind as you're talking. Absolutely. Or, and I think that it's it's important to explore, especially for those that are more comfortable in the doing and not as not as comfortable in the being which might be that receptive state that you talk about lisa where we are really allowing ourselves to receive you know it's something that i think we need to learn how to be more comfortable with and that can come in the form of you know meditation contemplation quietude serenity you know that we're allowing ourselves to receive and we know we live very busy lives and a lot of people like to be busy all the time. And I think you're really missing out on that receptivity if you don't allow yourself to stop, to pause and to literally mm -hmm. receive, do you know? Yes. So let's, let's delve a little bit into, into our friend Chiron. Okay. <laughs> Why is Chiron both the gateway and invitation to the development of empathy, which is one of the things that you say that it is. That's such a good question, Aura. And going back to the actual Greek mythological story, it talks about Chiron being a god and enjoying just all the pleasures of that power. And he was a very kind uh, Greek mythological god. He was a centaur that they were usually warring, drunken, you know, violent, half man, half horse creatures, but Chiron was a healing centaur and he taught medicine and, and the healing arts, as I mentioned. And one day he was at a friend's house, literally the story goes, and was struck by a poisonous arrow and felt such pain physically that he felt like, oh my gosh, this must be what humans feel like. And he asked Zeus to die. So basically wanting to commit suicide because this pain was so great. And again, that's such a metaphor of what happens here unfortunately, for some people where the pain is greater than their ability to cope with it. And so Zeus allowed him to trade his life with another Greek god to have immortality. And yet Chiron wanted, you know, humans to know he understands us. And that's the empathy. Like he understands that we have these experiences that really rock our worlds and it's, it's significant. And that to have empathy to the things that rock our worlds, that change the landscape of what we're living emotionally, physically, psychologically, spiritually, that it takes, we need to give attention to it, that it's valid and important. Beautiful. I mean, the, the, the story, the mythological story of Chiron is a beautiful one. And what brings to mind to me is sort of the collective unconscious aspect of it that includes all of us and that there's the human ele element to it and also the godlike element to it. Mm -hmm. And we're a combination of all of that, you know, which is why I think we can identify with Chiron in yes. our humanness. You know, when you say he the pain that he felt was unbearable that sounds like the pain of a human not the pain yeah, of a god exactly so it's it's a beautiful metaphor for understanding our own humanness and our ability to transcend our pain beautiful beautiful yes. story. talk to us lisa about creating the container for change tell us the ways we begin to transform our wounding into strength sure i think it, it really starts with wanting to get to know yourself more deeply, really wanting to go to places that maybe you've shied away from, and maybe you don't even know what those places 
are. And again, not from a perspective that there's something wrong with us. I don't believe that. I don't approach this work as that. It's about deeper understanding and love that when we really understand why we are the way we are, we can free ourselves from the judgments we've held against ourselves and the criticisms. And again, this is progressive. And then we're able to extend to others more kindness and acceptance. And so it's, it's really wanting to get to know ourselves more deeply and having a trusted loved one, be it a professional therapist or practitioner or a good friend where you can talk to about this kind of thing because healing doesn't happen alone. We heal in the context of relationships, just like it's typically relationships that wound us. They also have the power to heal us. So it's important to talk about your experiences to someone that you can. And as you go through the book and even learning about your Chiron placement, for instance, Chiron and Aries, a core wound and your sense of value and worth where you might feel like you're not good enough despite professional success, despite people viewing you really positively, really thinking the world of you, but somehow it doesn't quite get in to your own self-consciousness, your own self-concept, and you feel like you have to keep achieving or to be loved, you have to do things to be loved. And so for this person, it can be painful to not feel like you're good enough, though you see on your resume, for example, these wonderful things you've done. So I wanna help you bring together, realign, yourself and really see yourself as as you truly are just to give a specific example right i mean i think it's really interesting and the book delves deeper into that with each and every sign and then what you're talking really what brings to mind about that is that there are all of us that we can derive strength from those wounds mm -hmm. and we can pull from them to reach goals but if we don't heal them do you know, I think that's key and that, yes, it can make us successful or appear to be successful on paper. But if one of your core wounds is that you feel like you're an imposter, yeah. you don't feel worthy, you don't feel deserving, you may reach those levels of so-called success, but you're still not healing the actual wound, wouldn't you say? Yeah, we've seen that with successful success, Robin Williams and, you know, Mr. Kodak, the Kodak company, you people that take their lives that are so successful outwardly, yet right. somehow they inwardly couldn't connect with just how wonderful that they, that they were. And this causes patterns in our lives that we feel like we're not sure how to address repetitive issues or themes that might come up in our lives. That, and in, in my book, an understanding your Chiron placement can really help unravel that for you. So you don't have to keep living in the pattern that upsets you or brings things to a place you don't want. You're starting to really live in ways that you want and it brings you such happiness as a result. Yeah, and I think that there has been sort of a myth even around the understanding of using our wounds to help us. Now, in a destructive way, you know, I think back to the whole notion of creativity that there used to be these thoughts like, you know, you'd have to drink or be drunk or an alcoholic to be, to draw, to draw from your creativity. Do you know these yeah. ways in which we had to use our suffering and our pain to get what we wanted or what we thought we needed? I, I find that to be a real old paradigm 
that we're moving towards health and wellness in a, in a way, mind, body, and spirit. And I think what's really valuable about understanding healing our core wounds is that we no longer have to draw from this place again of wounding, or you cite some of these celebrities and famous people that were actually deeply wounded, mm -hmm. you know, deeply wounded within. And people can disguise that very well. Yes. You know? Yes. You know, and what you're saying, or is so important that old, uh, thought pattern that to be creative, we have to be in those those lesser places. And it, it speaks to Chiron and Leo has to do with a core wounding and creativity where you don't feel like you can create, you're disconnected. And it's attachment to, I think, the the old story of sadness, you know, the, the starving artist, the like right. you're saying, you have to be in addiction to create. And I think there's something kind of romantic there in our in our storytelling. And it seems so, you know, that romanticized, but the actual living of that is very painful for those individuals. Right. Well, I mean, I think that going into the depths of our being, which can have darkness or what yeah. we call the dark night of the soul or having our own existential crisis, if you will, we can derive great uh, learnings from that, you know, but not to the point where we go into destructive patterns. Right. And it's not about going into the core wound areas and then becoming destructive, like reaching out for things like addictive behaviors and whatnot. And, you know, you talk about, which takes me into my next question, you talk about destruction and rebuilding, you know, very important. This is something you feel you went through. Do you know? Yes. Share with my listeners how you had to rebuild your life after a period of what you called destruction. Do you know? I mean... Yeah. Those are wonderful forthcoming stories to talk about where we ourselves maybe were on a spiraling down trajectory and we learned yeah. from that. Absolutely, Aura. Yeah, I found myself, um, though being a therapist and a healer and, and that one aspect of myself, I found myself in drug addiction as well during Hurricane Katrina here in New Orleans, where I felt so just like my life changed so suddenly without an ability to cope, like, like most everyone who was going through it. And I turned to drugs to self-medicate the depression and anxiety and fear that I had. And I talk in my book that addiction wants a primary relationship with you. It's rare that it's truly recreational because addiction really, you know, affects your brain chemistry and your emotions and just wants more and more of your psychology. And I found myself there really in a scary and dangerous place. Like no, having the awareness of a therapist, this is unhealthy and you have to make a choice to really address, you know, your addictive tendencies and, and problems and habits or continue in the way you are, which could lead to death. And part of me was like, well, everybody else is doing it. You know, that voice, like, I'm not so bad. Look at, look at them. You know, they're so much worse than me. And there was that voice. And then there's the other voice that won out. That's like, Lisa, you're living inauthentically and you're not happy. And it's time to address that. And so I started to address that and change. And I, I literally changed my people, places and things. I took up surfing, though I was a super beginner surfer, didn't know what I was doing, but would just go to get out of my, my orbit, my frequency, my orbital pattern of people, places and things and using drugs to go to the beach in Florida and surf and met new people. And it, it like literally changed my life. And then I found Iron Man and a friend who's an Iron Man and a book from addict to Iron Man and started doing triathlons. And it just quickly, my life went up and I learned so much about myself that it's it, when we're in pain, we just want to feel better. 
And that's what addiction offers a solution to. It's not that the person's bad. You just want to feel better. Yet that's going to make you feel worse. Right. It's it's the way to numb out or to anesthetize or to really feel that divine light. And love. We want to reach, but we think that through substances and stimulants, that's the fastest way to get that. Right. You know, you're sharing of your story with um, Katrina, which was unbelievably hard. Um, really does bring to mind last year and, you know, facing a global pandemic. Yeah. Think of how many people have been so stressed and so anxious. And also we're, we're, you know, reaching out for things to help ameliorate the pain and the suffering. So sharing your own story, I think is so helpful because it shows really how we can shift from that pull, if you will, towards destructive behavior to constructive behavior. Do you know? Absolutely. Like take that energy that can be very strong and compel us to maybe reach for something that isn't healthy for us and substitute it with something that can actually be better for our well-being. So good for you for, for doing it, for, for experiencing it and for sharing with our listeners who might be struggling right now. Yeah. Some people are really struggling they right are. now. And yeah. you know, I want them to be aware of any impulses that they might have towards those destructive behaviors. Do you know, this is yeah. a time to talk about that, to it share that with others and to seek out help if you need that. Do you know, I want to really- yes, or to reach out, absolutely. Stress the importance of that. Let's also talk about what you mentioned, um, hyperarousal and hypervigilance. Tell our listeners what that means. Sure. So in the context of trauma, meaning sexual abuse, physical abuse, domestic violence, post-traumatic stress disorder, people that have been at war or in households that that feel like there's war going on, children that grow up in abusive homes and unhealthy relationships. They affect and alter our brain, which I know you know so well in your book that's, that's forthcoming, that our brain starts to work differently than the brains of people that grew up in families where there was a lot of love and support and there, there, wasn't, cha- there wasn't chaos because when you grow up in an environment where there's chaotic moments without having an understanding or support to soothe you, the brain starts to always be hyper alert, always just scanning the environment for danger. And you might be completely unaware as an adult that this is happening for you. You just might feel mistrustful. You might have a hard time connecting to others. You might meet someone wonderful as a friend or a potential partner, and then start to maybe sabotage it with mistrust and such. And it's your your brain, your old brain, the brainstem really like feeling like there's a bear at all times about to attack you. And you might have an exaggerated startle response. You know, people, somebody touching you in the shoulder and you flinch because when you were growing up, that that meant something bad was about to happen. So I talk in the book about meditation. I source your work as, as one of the most effective, if not the most effective tool to start to remodel your brain and the amygdala itself, the fight flight response, fight, flight, freeze response to start to teach your brain, which then can calm your central nervous system, that there is nothing to be afraid of anymore. In fact, I'm safe. And it truly starts to change our brain chemistry, which I know your book is going to go into in depth. Right. And says who, as you mentioned, thank you for, for bringing the, the reader into, you know, yeah. of says who and the process of the, the process of dismantling our reactive emotional response system. Yes. 
um, question by question. So, you know, there are tools and skill sets for all of us to take advantage of so that these old patterns, these old behaviors, if you will, we start to introduce healthy new patterns of thinking, which is the very thing that starts to, to change the chemicals in our brain. And we yes. you know about neuroscience, we start to develop new neural pathways, which then creates new habits of thinking, you know, so it's all yes. so, so positive, Lisa, in the way in which we can really um, develop new ways of living our lives, you know, that are much more healthy. I see the time is flying. So let me let me continue on with you okay. because there's a lot of wonderful areas to cover in the book. You also go into misaligned power and disconnection. You say that Chiron's untreated core wounding can lead to a host of challenges and difficulties. Give us some examples of that. Sure. You know that I'm speaking to the shadow aspect of ourselves. And I source in my book that Deepak Chopra talks about, it's not that we have a shadow self, that's the issue or the problem. It's the relationship that we choose to have with our shadow or not. Meaning that we all have, myself included, angry impulses, irrational emotions and thoughts. I mean, you're the one that taught me we have up to 70,000 thoughts a day, which I write about in, in my book. It's like, wow, how are we to, to know, you know, like there's no way to capture all those thoughts, but we can definitely capture a few each day and to really be honest with ourselves. Like I've been getting more honest when I do feel angry instead of trying to quickly move to forgiveness when I haven't allowed myself to feel the hurt or the anger underneath it and just acknowledge that to myself. So that's what I mean by misaligned power. When we try to move too quickly to things like I'm okay with this when maybe we're not, you know, we can start to then be more angry and short, passive aggressive sometime or overtly aggressive or too assertive with others. So it's really in dealing with our own emotions and slowing down, I found is helpful. And that's what mindfulness that I've learned from you has been so helpful to just slow down and, and having an awareness of it you yeah. know we're just having an awareness you know people have asked me well you know am i not supposed to be angry and i'm like no that's absolutely <laughs> incorrect these are real emotions we're going to feel them you know all the variety of emotions of anger and sadness and anxiety it's how do we deal with them when we're experiencing them do yes you know? That, those are the those are the things that we we need to help ourselves with, and this goes back to forgiveness and compassion. I think the more forgiveness, the more acceptance we have, and the more compassion we have for ourselves, and learn how to move through those difficult emotions that we might be experiencing, we not only have more forgiveness for ourselves, we're then better equipped to deal with that with others. Yes, you know, so. There's so many wonderful things to go into with all of these um, astrological houses. You mentioned Aries, you mentioned Leo. Um, I know you can't cover all of the different right. signs, you know, but I thought it was also really interesting how you broke down where Chiron was historically in each sign. It really magnified where the wounds were at those different times. I yes. thought that was so interesting. Thank you. Yes. Thank talk, you. Talk, talk, talk to yep. our listeners about what's in store for them when they read it, like how you literally broke down each side, sign and, and cited different occurrences that went on different times historically. Do you know? I would love to. Yes. It was so interesting, Aura, for me as well, to learn that Chiron is in the chart of business organizations, of your relationship, of your marriage. Like, for instance, if you take the start of your business, the day you formed your LLC and 
enter it into my interactive chart and learn the Chiron sign and the house placement. The house is what shows you the area of your life that this vulnerability or wound manifests in. If it's in your personal relationships, if it's in your self-esteem, if it's in your work, for example. And so, for example, the Chiron in my business was in the area of my chart that had to do with contracts, business contracts. And I had just been negotiating out of a contract that I didn't read adequately adequately enough in the first place. And I learned through that experience, wow, like if I would have known my Chiron placement to be really mindful of contracts I signed and really cross every T, dot every I, it can help you with, with your business and with your partners. Knowing each other's Chiron, you'll, you'll start to help each other heal instead of being adversarial and, and replaying the same fights and the same issues and patterns. And also in culture, when the Holocaust was going on, Chiron was in, it's escaping me right now, which, which sign it was in, but it really spoke to how that energy moved and happened and the horrors of what Ah, that was powerful. That yeah, was, it was so powerful was for me as well. Oh, yeah, that was, you know, I mean, I, my father lost his entire family in the Holocaust. Oh. And I, you know, when you realize these times historically that were very dark, yeah, you know, it really gives you a, a, a broader overview and a better understanding of what maybe took place historically yes. or what takes place when we're doing things at that moment in time. Like yeah. you mentioned when you had to sign a contract, do you know, it's interesting to me because, you know, you, you hear a lot of people say like, oh, Mercury's in retrograde, don't sign anything or don't, <laughs> you know, don't start anything. But, you know, the whole idea of really knowing where, where your Chiron is, you know, is it's something that doesn't just happen when Mercury's in retrograde. No. No, it can help you live your life differently and better and just be happier. And I've, I've been learning just the value of happiness and joy and how those as driving forces in our lives really create the outcomes we want more effortlessly and just kind of magnetizes people and experiences to us that we want with less effort. You know, Lisa, it gives people more information, you know, more, more information to know what to do with it. Do you know, we have those, when we have more information, it's like having a roadmap, do you yeah. know? And then we have a better understanding. And even when you talk about the area of relationships, when you're having discord with, with somebody, when you have a better understanding as to why yeah. you cannot you take it so personally Absolutely. and realize that there's something there that needs to be worked out. Do you know? Yes. To me, it's very solution oriented. Let's talk about medicine for the soul. You write the transformation can, among other things, be compared to a fire burning away what once was. These experiences of change are the ones that leave us with deeply etched memories. Tell us how you came to know this from your own experiences and what might be helpful to our listeners. Sure. I, I, that's again where I get personal in that last chapter about some of my early experiences growing up and having a separation from my mom growing up that was very abrupt and, and hurtful to me. And it took a lot of years. I didn't understand why that happened. And in finding Chiron and understanding about core wound, wounding and vulnerability, I was able to really understand that she herself was going through some great difficulties of which, of course, I was too young for her to share that with. And it helped me really see her through eyes of love and empathy instead of so much 
anger and confusion. And I feel like I was really able to heal that relationship to her and a part of myself as, as a daughter, having a mother to really be able to understand what was so like visceral for me going through some of those experiences as a younger person and now making more sense of them. It is, you're very forthcoming in the sharing of your own journey and what you've experienced on your path of healing your core wounds. So, you know, it's, it's really nice to see that you are sharing that with the reader in, in such a forthcoming way. And I think it really helps us understand and also what you speak about a lot is the forgiveness. And it's so important to realize that through, again, the suffering that we've had, when you look at it within the context of what was going on at that time or whatever someone else was going through that they maybe didn't intentionally want to hurt or yes. harm us. Yes. I think that it helps us have more forgiveness yeah. for what that dynamic was about. Do you know? Absolutely. It helps us understand it. So we have a little bit of uh, time left. I want to go into something that I think is very current and timely to where we're at today. Do you know? Okay to bring the Chiron effect into the present of our lives. I wanna end with Chiron and the psychoastrology of the United States of America. I love that she, without, I don't wanna give the whole, you know, yeah. secret sauce away of the book, do you know? Yeah. But I thought that that was very important because I would say that the last year was one of the most difficult years we've experienced in our lifetime. Absolutely. Definitely in a powerful time of transition. And you say that this is uh, this unprecedented time has required e each one of us to change and adapt. And I couldn't agree with you more. I've called this time since the beginning of COVID uh, a time of great transformation. Yeah. So it's like a great awakening. So give us, Lisa, let's leave with this. Your thoughts about the placement of Chiron in the birth chart of the United States and how we should think about this moving forward. Absolutely, and I just opened to that section because I feel like it's it's well-spoken when this came to me in that moment where I talk about when the Declaration of Independence was signed in Philadelphia, July 4th, 1776, Chiron and Aries, which is where it was, reveals core wounding and our country's sense of value and worth. And that doesn't seem to make sense that the most powerful nation in the world would value, would not value its own self highly. But when we look to being in the fourth house, which has to do with our sense of home, security, nurturing, and being a family, I feel like that really reveals what this last year has shown and the pandemic with the lack of support to individuals, to families, with the administration that was in power and just the way people have just been left to fend for themselves and how we go to the aid of other countries and people yet are really neglecting our education system in the US, for example, and healthcare and the homelessness situation in our country. So that was really revealing to me and I, I wanted to include it in the book. And I foresaw our country really changing and electing. In fact, I predicted a first female president or vice president that we were really ready for a change to be more nurturing to our own family of, of this country that we're a part of together. So that's what that section really goes into. It was a beautiful way to integrate that into the book. And again, very, very timely to what we're experiencing individually and collectively as not only a country, but the entire world, you know? Yeah. And for me, I'll leave it with that. 
the whole notion of healing our wounds, do you know, healing our wounds individually, healing our wounds collectively. I believe this is the part of the journey that we're on. What, you know, and, and sometimes this has to come to the surface to such a degree that we can really see the depths of these core wounds that we've spoken of during this entire conversation. Do you know, it's a time for, for great healing, is it not? It is. You say? Is I think it's such a time for great healing and really to good. really take that opportunity wherever you are, however you can, and in every way. Absolutely. So Lisa, I want to thank you for being with us today. It's been so, so lovely having this time with you. If our listeners want to know more about you or how they can order your book or anything else you want to share with them today, where should they go? All of the links are at my website, which is nolatherapy.com. So it's a, okay. That's easy. Yeah, it's easy. All right. And I highly recommend to those of you that are tuning in today to getting Lisa's book, The Chiron Effect, Healing Our Core Wounds Through Astrology, Empathy, and Self-Forgiveness. As Lisa says, once identified, your personal Chiron placement can become the source of your greatest healing and empowerment. Thank you, listeners, for being here with Lisa and I today. And until we meet again, stay present, stay safe, and stay kind. <laughs>